It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good morning and welcome to a new edition. Oh, shit. The loop is back. The loop is back. Uh, good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm joined by Matt Candela and Jacob Hawley and we are here to talk about Arsenal. It's been a glorious week. Everybody's decided that we're absolutely amazing, uh, Arsenal Football Club. The underlying performance metrics have caught up with performances. We are in the title race and there is so much good stuff to talk about. Jacob, First, we're going to go to you. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. I, you got to remember, I started recording with you boys. I think, was it middle of December? Yes. The depression days. Not a great time. Not a great time to start. Because it's not just that we weren't good. It was also there wasn't really much to say, was there? It's like, well, we're playing well. We're doing the things we'd want us to do. We're just not putting the ball in the back of the net. So I'm quite looking forward to being able to sort of celebrate what we're actually good at and not have to try and create mountains out of molehills when all we're really doing was missing chances and and conceding silly goals. It's, it's nice to be talking about the good times again. Matt, it does feel like we created a massive mountain out of December. Looking back, do you feel that uh, maybe we went a little bit overboard and uh, that PTSD of yesteryear caught up to us a bit too hard or do you feel it's justified, Chrissy? It, no, I think it was justified because I think we lost three games in December and a lot of teams teams have lost lost the league losing less than three games in a whole season. I think Liverpool did once. So I don't think it was unjustified to have concerns when you're losing with that regularity and you feel like so much of the progress of the season before is being lost and left behind. Um, But as always, I think you have to trust in Mikel Arteta. And as we've mentioned many times on this podcast, he's very good at analysing what's going wrong and coming up with solutions to fix it. And I think the Dubai trip provided the perfect illustration of doing that. So all's well that is going well. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's not mess around today. Let's just get right into it, boys. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP. Hottest of takes. Make it spicy. 
It's been a week of spicy takes from everywhere. It's going to be very difficult to find something even more exciting to talk about. But Jacob, I'm going to put that responsibility on your shoulders right now. Take it away with the hottest of takes. Hottest of take. And and by the way, I think it's a week for hot takes. This is, you know, we don't want to talk about the policing of fandom that's happened this week. But any Arsenal fan, let's enjoy ourselves this week because that was a, a huge result. My hottest of take, we can beat any team in the world. And we've proved it this season. Liverpool and Man City have recorded two shots on target against us at the Emirates. We can beat anyone and we can do it comprehensively and we can do it not just using control, but in Arteta's words, using domination. We're in two competitions for the rest of this season. One of them, we've got 15 games left in the Premier League. And I think we, you know, that, that's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough against Man City and Liverpool. The other one, Champions League, all we have to do is beat four more teams. And we've shown that we can beat any team on our day in our stadium. And in terms of the rest of the Champions League, it'll be three games at the Emirates, three games away from home, and then one game at Wembley where we know we're quite good. So I, I don't want to say we're favourites for the Champions League, but I, I look at the way we've we've sort of changed our team this season. I've looked at the way we changed our tactics a little bit. I've looked at the positives that have changed between this season and last. And the main one I look at is the fact that we can win big games now against the best teams in the world whilst restricting them to two shots on target in two huge games. And I think that should be something we're really excited about. I love that. Big game team we are. I mean, the biggest problem last season was losing those six-pointers against Manchester City and uh, and Liverpool. And now we're back. It will be interesting, though. I do have a little bit of a fear in Europe about us playing weaker teams, just because some of that Europa League action, Smith Rowe at a false nine, Unai Emery coming back to haunt us, it still gives me uh, deep fears. But I, I think that it's, it, the narrative about Arsenal winning the Champions League has been quite strong this season. Yeah, it's, it's it's a weird one for Arteta. I think it's it's the most obvious gap on his CV so far in his four years at Arsenal is the way that we've performed in Europe. It's been complicated by the fact that every time that he's had European knockout games, we've kind of known that he's been prioritising the Premier League. And we've also had a team that has kind of blown hot in the first half of the season and then the wheels start falling off in the second half of the season. You know, the, the last few couple of seasons, we've had bad injuries in the second half of the season. This season, I'd like to think that maybe what's happened is we're getting our injuries out the way early in the season. We know that Party's not going to be fit for West Ham, but he might be back for game after that. We're also reading that Urian Timber's been included in our squad for the Champions League. So you might hope that this season might be a bit of an inverse of the last couple of seasons where we've got our injuries out of the way and we've got players coming back to fitness for the running now. Very exciting. That's a good hot take. Arsenal being a big team game kind of outfit Matt what do you make of uh what do you make of Arsenal this week Matt there's a lot of uh there's a lot of places you could take your hot take where are you gonna go yeah I was gonna go um can I have two hot takes one really quick hey, one that I'll, why not I'll, why not my original hot take was gonna be Kai Harvard should start at nine for the rest of the season well that would be I mean that's spicy that's spicy level 11 but for me the tactics uh, the the way that he occupies defenders, the work rate, the focal point, the way that he freed up the wingers, uh, the way that he brought so much out the rest of the team, for me, meant that we just looked so much more coherent. And the biggest thing for me is Gabby Jesus, as good a player as he is, because he's always he's always going out wide to go and find the ball, he's bringing defenders with him, which is congesting those pathways and bringing even more players to Martinelli and to Saka, 
Whereas what Havertz does is we're stronger defensively because he just can just drop into midfield and bring it be another yeah. man. And when we're attacking, he's an extra, he's a focal point and he keeps the, de- the defenders pinned. So I know Gabby Jesus is a more of a fan favourite, but I'm also thinking about we have a wealth of options. I know people don't often feel like that. We've got Jorginho, we've got Smith Rowe, we've even got Trossard who can play left eight. But we don't have a wealth of options up top. So I'm wondering if this system is the one to carry us, not just for the big games, but for every game. Nice hot take. I like it. Harvard's as uh, as our number nine for the rest of the season. It's it's amazing that it doesn't really matter. Like Jesus doesn't score a lot of goals, and nor does Harvard. But it was uh, that's an interesting point. Um, my uh, my hot take is that maybe our mismanagement of the squad in the front half of the season is going to benefit us in the back half. Spicy. Thomas Partey and Gabby Jesus should be ready for the West Ham game. Thomas Partey has played next to no games this season. That guy cannot be crying off with fatigue at any point. He has a history with Arsenal of four-month stints. That's generally what he does. He comes back at a certain point in the season whether he starts strong or finishes strong. He does have four months in the tank. So Partey coming back for four months could mean that we have him for the rest of the season. Jesus has been out for a lot this season. He, he should have no fatigue issues heading into that crunch zone. And then you've got Yuri and Timber. Um, as this podcast has said for a long time, earmark the first two weeks of April. I don't think they'll put him in for the, the Manchester City game. I think after Manchester City, it's like Brighton and Luton or, or something like that. So I think our, our squad is stri- starting to strengthen at exactly the right time. And because he hasn't had the opportunity, the manager, to, to sort of brutalise certain players, I think we could be really strong and have a lot of options um, in those three-game-a-week moments. So Arteta, by accident, um, might have solved his uh, end-of-season fatigue issues. Oh, there's one thing I wanted to add, just because Jacob was talking about just we can beat anyone. And he did caveat it, but... There's a big thing that I need to see from Arsenal, which is going away and beating our rivals. Because we still haven't done it. We just <clears> haven't, <throat> not really, under Arteta. You know, no no wins at Liverpool. There won't be any wins there this season. No, nothing at City. That's going to be really, really crucial. You know, played Chelsea earlier in the season, scraped to draw, in all honesty. Um, you know, Newcastle lost. Villa lost, got Spurs coming up. We have not beaten a top team away from home when it matters in a long time. We've won the argument though, Matt. We've won the argument in those games. We've got unlucky, but we've won the argument. We're getting close. I'm not interested in, in lucky. I'm interested in cold, hard three points. And that's every title win has got a famous away win at arrival. You know, Robert yeah. Pires screaming one in against Liverpool. Vieira and Burkamp combining away at Chelsea. You know, like those big goals, those big moments. And we've got Spurs, we've got United, and we've got uh, City in the back half of the season. And oh, doing it at the lane, you're getting me excited. But you get wins there and you go and win the league. You lose the, and you lose any of them, you don't win the league. I really think it's it could be as simple as that. So 
we're going to have to course correct that in the second half of the season because we didn't didn't fix it in the first half. All right. I like that. Let's move on to the first topic today. This is uh, this could be mayor culpa time uh, or this could be doubling down on being right. Um, either way, uh, there's an opportunity to set the stage for David Raya. He's played about 2,070 minutes for Arsenal so far this season. And I actually want to refer to a, an article from Tim Stillman uh, from the Arsenal Vision podcast. He's writing an Ask blog today. And it's a little bit of propaganda for David Raya. David Raya has completed close to 40% of his long passes compared to Ramsdale's 25%. Um, his cross-collection rate is, he claims 15.3% of crosses that Arsenal face, tripling the amount that Ramsdale did. I think we all saw that wonderful moment where he claimed the cross and he released Martinelli. So now we've got a goalkeeper that allows us to counter-attack at rapid speed. Um, the Ramsdalians have been very quiet of late. Uh, Jacob, is it time to accept that David Raya isn't a number two and that we don't have two number twos? He is, in fact, a pretty decent goalkeeper. What is your take on this, uh, the Spanish 27-year-old? He he feels like one of the real success stories of the Dubai trip, doesn't he? He he and Ben White feel like two that came back from that trip being the players that we wanted them to be in the first half of this season. And I think as much as anything, it feels as though David Raya has accepted his place as the number one at Arsenal. I, I have point. to say, I I I look at I look at what we did last season in terms of going, right, we're going to replace Ramsdale with Raya. I don't actually have an issue with that. I think it's the kind of marginal game that you have to do. I think we should be able to do it by kind of spending on Raya, what we'll probably receive on Ramsdale. It's fine. It's how we did it that I don't really like. The fact that we gave Ramsdale a new contract at the end of last season, waited till August to get David Raya. And I'm sure that's due to a level of opportunism with the Raya contract at Brentford, blah, blah, blah. I think that muddied things. And I have to say in, in, in this game, I think it was Saliba's fault, the goal that we conceded, the, the Gabriel own goal. But there was a part of me watching that and thinking it's clearly an issue of communication between defender and goalkeeper. And that's something that you could argue might be a little bit better if we'd have had our number one goalkeeper coming in June of last summer, spend a pre-season with this defence. And every time David Ryers made a mistake in the last few months, and he has made some, we didn't have sky cameras panning to Aaron Ramsdale in the in the stadium. I, I don't think that's helped anyone. And I think there's been certain points in October and November where you could look at Ramsdale and Raya and say neither were performing at the level they were capable of. But Raya now, I think we're starting to see the keeper that we bought. We're starting to see the investment we've made. I, I saw a tweet after, because I, I, th I think you're right to point out that quick throw that he did to, to Martinelli to release him. That's one thing we've wanted all season. I've seen statistics that show that we take more passes before making a shot than any other team in the league apart from Manchester City. And I think all of us would agree that doesn't suit all of the players we have on the pitch. Players like Martinelli want to get up the pitch quickly. You think of a good Martinelli goal, it's often with defenders, two or three defenders running back and him running at them. And I think having Raya doing that, because it's the exact same thing that he did at Crystal Palace to release Gabriel Jesus for the Trossard goal in that game. And I remember when he did that in that game, I saw a tweet go viral, which was talking about Raya's throw to Jesus. And it was saying, if that was Aaron Ramsdale, he wouldn't have thrown the ball out quickly. He'd have laid on top of it and stuck his tongue out at the away fans. 
And that really struck me. And that made me think that is the difference between these two. And we all love Ramsdale and his antics and the way he winds people up. And the reality is he's going to be at a different club next season. And we're going to be the way fans that he's sticking his tongue out at. And it should be quite nice. It should be a nice thing for everyone. But I think now we're seeing the David Raya that we invested money in. We're seeing the marginal game we made. And we're seeing that actually the way David Raya plays, the fast distribution really suits players like Martinelli who want to play forward quickly. Matt, I would never throw you under the bus on this podcast. I would never bring up the fact that the person that said we have two number twos at Arsenal was you. It was one of your spicy hot takes. Matt, is there an apology coming? Um, have you finally accepted Raya into your life? Can you get over Aaron Ramsdale leaving? Can you forgive, Matt? Can you forgive? Is is there anything in Raya's game that's getting you excited? Aaron who? Aaron. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> I mean, it's football, right? That's what happens. Yeah. Like you, 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 the good side is you get paid a ton of money. The bad side is you can be surplus to requirements at a moment's notice. That's why you get paid a ton of money. Uh, that doesn't help with your mental health or any of those things, but it's just part of the course and it's what you sign up for when you become a professional footballer. Um, I've been really impressed by David Raya. Um, I don't think we can say he's he's it yet yeah. i think we can say he's it from a distribution standpoint uh from a cross claiming standpoint but you know number one when we did the interview with david seaman number one rule of a goalkeeper is to kick the ball out of the net that's the number one role and i think the jury was still waiting to see that because his save percentage at brentford was so high that hasn't felt like that like he's saved our bacon with a critical save yet um so I'm looking for that part of the game as well. I don't mean to be too demanding, but I don't think it's that demanding to ask our goalkeeper to make some out-of-this-world saves if we're going to say that he's an out-of-this-world goalkeeper. But certainly the passing, the distribution, uh, the calmness is very welcome. Yeah, I, 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 like, uh, I like Raya because he reminds me a little bit of David Seaman. It was fun having Aaron Ramsdale in the squad at the start. I think we needed some players that we could love, that we could get behind, that were that the fans would really rally around. But after a while, it's like when he started to become the show, uh, and I wonder whether because he was so young, it went to his head a little bit. It became a bit of a distraction. And I'm just, I always remember uh, Fabianski coming into the team and teams like Bolton shooting from corners. And Aaron Ramsdale started to become a tactical opportunity. People would mark him from corners. I mean, that's a big goalkeeper to mark from corners. Um, he would flap. If he had a, if he made a bad pass in the opening five minutes, he'd go long for the rest of the game. And I'm really starting to appreciate that I don't really notice David Raya. Claims everything that comes into the box. His distribution is calm. Um, he's not celebrating, uh, you know, making catches or doing the basics. And I think that we've just evolved from Ramsdale. And you're right, it is brutal. I'm sure that Ramsdale will make a good goalkeeper. I think Chelsea should sign him, really. I think he'd suit where they are as a club um, at the moment. You know, like he's he's definitely a, a sort of top six goalkeeper. But I'm I'm enjoying uh, I'm enjoying the Raya uh, the Raya rise. We do have to get over conceding uh, one goal from two shots on target. But I don't think they've all been his fault. I don't think many have uh, have been his fault. Um, but it's good to have a goalkeeper that we can rely on at the moment. It's good to have a goalkeeper that's really um, doing the system justice. You know, sometimes you don't appreciate that maybe 
we're not having to see world-class saves every other minute because he is claiming crosses, because he is on the edge of his box and he is cutting out, out a lot of those dangerous moments before they happen. But yeah, maybe we'll get to see something in the Champions League. All right, let's move on. Uh, listen, Jacob, you you touched on this already. Benny Blanco was getting a bit of critique before Christmas. I think there are two players in this Arsenal squad that if they have a couple of rough games, fans jump on them. And it's because they're, they had preconceived notions that they would be rubbish. When we signed Erdegaard, everyone said he was boring. Uh, when we signed Benny Blanco, he had that terrible game. Not, it wasn't even that bad against uh, Brentford. Couldn't handle Ivan Tony. You know how many how many Premier League defenders can, and people revert back to old opinions. But Benny Blanco has come back. He looks fierce. He looks confident. He looks in control of his game. Um, what's happened, uh, Jacob? What do you make of uh, Benny Blanco <laughs> and the resurgent form he's had since coming back from this Dubai break? Well, he's topped up his tan, and we know that's important to him. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's come back a, a magnificent colour of, uh, um, of, of 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 tan, and and, and uh, you know, he's, he's, as soon as he's mahogany, you know, he's going to have a good game. I, he's, he's, I think you're so right to point out that game against Brentford. I think that's coloured everyone's opinion of him. I think at the time, it's crazy to think this, but. How many, how many seasons ago was that? Was that twenty summer of twenty one, summer of twenty two when we bought him? I think it was summer of twenty one, and I think we paid fifty million quid for him, and everyone said that was too much money. That feels insane now. England international, I think he was twenty two, twenty three years old at the time, and and people thought that was really expensive. Mark Kukurea went for more than that. What what are people talking about? But between that game against Ivan Tony and that price tag, it feels like a lot of people have got it in for him. And I, I do think, you know, I joke about it, but I do think his appearance has got something to do with that. I think it, the fact that he's he's done interviews where he insists on his name being Benjamin and he says he doesn't watch much football. I think there's a lot of football fans who don't like his vibe. I think if we achieve the things we should do as a team with with this set of players, with this squad, he's going to go down as a bit of a cult hero amongst Arsenal fans for those reasons, because we all know He's not appreciated in the way he should be. We all know he should have a lot more England caps than he does. As a combination of a centre-back, a right-back, I mean, he's done interviews in the past where he says playing as a full-back for Arteta, you have to play number 10, central midfield, on, on the touchline at centre-back. He can do it all. And as an athlete, he's unbelievable. Some of the recovery runs that he made to keep up with Luis Diaz. By the way, Luis Diaz has become one of the most difficult left-wingers in the Premier League to play against. And, it, and he made it look as easy as anyone has this season. There was a few times that he nutmeg Curtis Jones and looked really smooth on the ball. I think he's just fit. I think that's I think that's the thing. He's fit. I, I think there's a reason we brought Yuri and Timber in the summer is because we knew that we needed to have players coming in and out to give Zinchenko and Ben White a little break. We've seen in the last two seasons that by the end of it, Ben White's got about 19 colourful straps of elastic on his thighs by the time he finishes the season and he, he can barely run. And Arteta's done interviews where he said, the problem with Ben White, he doesn't really tell you when he's in pain. And I, I, I'm 99% certain the guy's been playing through pain for the last couple of months. He's not been overlapping Saka. He's not been getting involved in those triangles of Erdegaard and Saka at the top end of the pitch. I think we're seeing a fit Ben White now. And I think a fit Ben White is as good in that position as anyone in the league. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Matt, some of the greatest Arsenal teams have been underpinned by players that you can only describe as gladiators is Ben White the prettiest, most bronzed gladiator you've ever seen at Arsenal? What do you make of uh, his performances so far this year? Well, I think he's been great. So, like, yeah, I think there's not much more to say on Dubai being a period of recuperation for him. He's come back out the traps, looking very strong, keeping up with Saka more, um, strong in the tackle, more confident. You know, some of that stuff was Marcello from Real Madrid-esque. Um, I think if you compare him to some of the right-back greats at Arsenal, I think there's a lot in common with Lee That's Dixon. a lovely comparison there, Matt. Lovely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, But I think Lee Dixon is a great is a great example. An absolute niggle merchant. Like, I remember being sat in the family enclosure, Arsenal playing Newcastle, and all Lee Dixon did all game was kick David Ginola. He literally just left in black and blue and got away with it. And 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 Ginola couldn't even understand how we'd done it, and I think Ben White has got a bit about that. People, you can't really understand how he gets away with it, but little things, tampering with the doctor's medical bag to make it take longer to put back away, uh, you know, screaming in faces of opposition, all of that stuff. So he's been absolutely fantastic since he come on, since he's come back from Dubai. My personal perspective is his future is not a right back. I don't think. The level that Arteta wants to take Arsenal to, he thinks that Ben White is a good enough right back. So I expect Ben White to go back into this into the mix for centre half, and I expect potentially Yuri and Timber to come in as the right back and take on that role, um, or at least take minutes off him there, because I think offensively there's still more to go. I think is Ben White Carl Walker levels over the years? I don't know. No. So I think there's a level above Ben White, but I think he's doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. That's not meant to be critical of him. It's just these are the levels we're talking about. We're talking about marginal upgrades on every position. And is there a marginal upgrade you can make in a fullback, probably the most important position on the pitch uh, for these managers? I think I think I think there will be. But I don't think that means the end of uh, Ben White's Arsenal career. I think he'll go into the mix for centre half. And and my God, we need to be able to give Gabriel and Saliba a breather. And maybe he can establish himself as first choice centre half. Wouldn't put it past him. We wow, should Matt. say, by the way, we, we should say there's a contract that's not been signed yet by Ben White. True. That's something that's rumbling along in the background. I know I know Tommy Asu's just about to sign his. 
That Ben White contract, it feels like they've been negotiating that for about a year. It feels yeah. a bit weird that that's not been signed yet, doesn't it? It does feel weird, yeah. And it also, I, I love Tommy Asu. Great defender, don't get me wrong, but you can't be trusted to stay fit for more than eight games. Ben White can. And uh, if, if I had the choice of where to stick a big contract, it would be Ben White. Hopefully we'll get both of them. But yeah, I, I wonder whether some of that contract is maybe geared around worrying that Urian Timber is coming back to fitness. Though I, I do think my my hunch has been that Urian Timber is more of a threat to the left um, than the right, particularly yeah. this season. I felt that way. I mean, it's the interesting thing about Timber. We spent a lot of money on him. And, and I think because Declan Rice and Kai Havertz were such high-profile signings in the summer, we didn't really talk about what we were going to do with Timber. We didn't really know what he was actually for. And because he's only done 45 minutes of Premier League football, which was at left-back at the time, whilst Sinchenko was injured, we still don't really know whose shirt he was coming for. And that's going to be fascinating to find out over the course of the next few months and probably really start of next season is when we really have an answer is what we purchased him before and where on the pitch Arteta envisaged putting him. Because I don't think he was just a rotation option. I think he was going to be a starter. I think I wrote on the Grove, and I think we discussed it on the podcast at some point, that the utility player way back when was almost, well, you're not really good enough to own any position. So, you know, Chamberlain, we're going to play you all over the park. Grimondi, you're just, you're just slot in wherever you're suitable. But I do think that there is the rise of the Galactico utility player, like just super players that are there because of their unpredictability. I think Arteta wants people on podcasts to have absolutely no clue because if we don't have a clue, their managers aren't going to know where these players are going to pop up. And I think I think Timber is going to be one of those game-changing signings. I mean, we've already seen him in one game and fallen in love with him. But if we can get him fit early April, like what a weapon that's going to be in the running. Because... He doesn't have an injury record at all. Mm. He never got injured. So if he can come back in and get back to full fitness and then we can just write off this uh, this problem that he's had as a, a one-off, like my word, we're going to have some flexibility in that defence in midfield next year. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, Matt, you've said on numerous podcasts that availability is... Um, one of the, the best attributes you can have at a footballer. And I don't want to bring the tone of this podcast down, but Thomas Partey, Zinchenko, and Gabby Jesus are unbelievably key to our starting eleven, but they suffer with availability issues. Zinchenko might have a little problem. Jesus and Thomas Partey not available for the Liverpool game. Do we have to plan for life without them or a, a, a life with less of them? What do you make of uh, of these guys and their importance? Because Manchester City don't seem to have players like this. Um, I don't think they play as, so many players play so many minutes at Man City. I think you look at, I think someone put the shot of Phil Foden and Bukayo Saka and just how much more football Bukayo Saka has played. And that's just being, you're just forced into it because we don't have the squad to let Foden or let Saka have a rest the same way that City do. I think Thomas Partey will be off in the summer, I think. This season will be the final straw. Hopefully we can get a final turn out of him. But, you know, the definition of madness is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So I'd be amazed if we get 10 starts out of him between now and the end of the season. That's not being negative. It's just being realistic. You were talking about party as the Galactico utility player. I disagree. Uh, sorry, Timber. I disagree. I think Timber is going to be a first choice starter. But I think Zinchenko could be the utility player because I think he's going to be 
someone who you want to get in the team because of his ability. And as soon as there's an injury, he's slotting in at left back, could even slot in at left eight, can play a variety of roles. But I see I, I see Timber as just starting every game if he's fit. I just I just think we've spent that money, so I don't see him bringing that. But Zinchenko, I think Arteta rates him. I think Arteta likes him, but I think Arteta knows that there is a vulnerability. And in this new era of domination and control, having a chink in the armour against the big teams is dangerous. You know, if you're playing Real Madrid in the semi-final of the Champions League and everyone knows the long ball over the top to your left-back's a problem, guess what Real Madrid are going to do all game? They're just going to be launching it towards the left-back. And they've got Vinny Jr. and all those lot, you know, racing around him. So I don't think he can be a first-choice starter. Gabby Jesus, for me, um, I, I, I just oscillate so, so crazily because I do... I think he's a wonderful player. And I think Jake's point about we, we have short memories for certain players. He was electric when he arrived. But that electric start was 10 games. Because by the time we played Chelsea about 18 games in, he was on a 10-game not scoring streak. So he's actually had 10, 10 games like that and 40 not like that. Gabby Jesus on form is an incredible, incredible player. So was Abu Diaby. You know, so was Jack Wilshere. So, you know, I'm beginning to question his first choice status, especially when you see Kai Harvard's robustness and ability to do something up top. Um, I think that Gabby Jesus is uh, a rotation option in at nine and a rotation option with Saka at right wing uh, and even at left wing. But I think he can play all across the front three. And because of that, if he's fit, he'll normally be starting. But I don't put him down as the first choice, as my first choice, number nine. I'd rather have him always on the pitch, but playing somewhere across the front three, giving Saka a game off, giving Martinelli a game off. But uh, that might be provocative. You're on mute. <laughs> that is very provocative. Um, Jacob, the availability question um, is one that we struggle with under Arsene Wenger. Uh, mm -hmm. he wouldn't replace Abu Dhabi until the very end, and we struggled. He always sort of over overlooked uh, player availability as a massive problem. Do you think this summer, uh, uh, bar the obvious signings that we need to upgrade the squad, do you think that we're going to Arteta is going to have to have serious questions about the importance he plays on play, players like Zinchenko and Thomas Partey um, to find the, the next level, to find the, the promised land? Yeah, I well, I, th I think it's something we've already started to address. I think we, we bought Havertz and um, Rice in the last window. And and to be fair, Timber, who all had pretty immaculate injury records, Rice plays every single game, Havertz plays every single game. And, and the two of those have been available every week for us. Timber had been that at Ajax. An ACL can happen. Um, and we just have to hope that doesn't continue. I think one thing you have to remember with the acquisitions of both Zinchenko and Jesus, we did those in a summer where we just missed out on Champions League. Now, Zinchenko was a purchase that we made because we relied on TNE for so long. And I do think we wanted to change the way we were playing football a little bit. But I also think it was that was the kind of enough's enough with TNE. And from what he's done at Sociedad this season, we were right to make that call. Jesus, six months prior to trying to sign Jesus, we tried to sign Vlahovic. Very different kinds of player, very different profiles. 
I think there may have been a world in which we actually wanted both of those players. And I look at the role that Trossard plays in our squad right now in terms of covering multiple positions, in terms of getting on the pitch in every single game. And it's very similar to the role that Jesus played in Manchester City's squad. I think we all know we're going to make a signing at number nine this summer. And I think essentially what we're going to have is Jesus covering the right wing and the forward position in the same way that Trossard does on the left-hand side of the pitch. And I think in terms of the names that are on the screen right now, Party we've we've replaced with uh, with Declan Rice, Zinchenko. I agree with both of you. I agree with you, Pete, that I think Timber was for that side of the pitch. But I also agree with Matt that I think he would have been the first name on a team sheet every week. As I've said a few times this season, when when you take Xhaka and Party out of a team, you, you miss a lot of ball progression. Timber had the best numbers for ball progression in Europe last season. I think that's exactly what we brought him to give us. And I think the next nail in the coffin will be Jesus. I think we'll buy someone who's there to start as a number nine, a big physical presence, as Vlahovic was when we were looking at him in that January window a couple of years ago. And I think Jesus then goes into the rotation. And we should say that Jesus... He was brilliant out wide for City. He was brilliant out wide against City when we beat them in October this season. As Matt says, it, the, the words that Arteta used to describe Jesus when he entered our team, the words Arteta used, he changed our world. That's that's the level he is. But I agree with what Matt said at the start of this podcast, where if Jesus is fit for number nine against West Ham, I still want Havertz there. Because physically, Havertz gave us something I've not seen all season. He got Canate sent off. He put Van Dijk under a level of stress that he made a mistake that we do not see Van Dijk make. I, I'm I'm ready for a big physical nine. I'm I'm ready. Are for we a all nine that... are we Havertz converts now? Are I we think all we are, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a in. Havertz convert at number nine. I'm a Havertz convert. And I've always loved him as a nine. I thought he was great in the Community Shield. I'm still not sold on the number eight thing. And and there's an argument to say he was still playing number eight on Sunday against Liverpool. He still played in basically the same position on the pitch. But I love what he did in terms of pinning centre-backs, stressing people out. It, it's a weird one with Havertz. I know we're trying to talk about a completely different topic, but in, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Nunes at Liverpool. He's never going to be a finisher. He's obviously got a very different playing style and looks very different on the ball, but he's never going to be a great finisher. But just the stress that he puts centre-backs under, I'm, I'm so ready for a nine that does that to defenders because I think it helps Martinelli and Saka so much. Great comments, great comments. Yeah, I think the think that Thomas Party has been taken care of. I think in the summer, Mo Nelly will go and Thomas Party will go and we'll give Jorginho a new deal. And then we'll sign a Douglas Luiz-like midfielder. Um, the, Jesus, the Jesus question is interesting because assuming that we are going to sign Tony, I would guess that Eddie Nketiah isn't going to want to hang around after that. I don't really see him signing a backup striker. Like maybe the backup striker options are Havertz and Jesus. And maybe we're getting into that world of unpredictability again. Where's Jesus going to play? Is he going to be on the left? Is he going to be on the right? Where's Havertz going to play? Is it a full nine or is he going to play as a nine? Like he's building unpredictability into that starting 11. The only the only thing I worry about is the, is the finishing with Havertz as well. Like we know that he's capable of it. You know, I don't think Jesus has ever had a really pro prolific career in front of goal. But Havertz has. You know, he was scoring a, a goal every game at 19 years old at Leverkusen, playing on the, the right or the left. So there is there is a, a sleeping giant of a finisher in there. Um, I just wanted to get your take on whether, you know, both of you, if you've got anything on this, but where where does the finishing go? Can, a, can dormant finishing be awoken? Or 
is it just a different level in the Premier League? Um, maybe that will never come back. Like- I think it's a different level. I think saying he scored a load of goals in his first year at Leverkusen is saying he scored a load of goals in youth football. I think it's a muscle. And I think when you don't use it for a while, it it, it diminishes. Uh, and sometimes you think it's very strong, but actually you come up against bigger, tougher, trickier defenders and you haven't got it. Fabio Vieira was top scorer in the European Championships. Is he a great finisher? No idea. Seen one goal from him. So... Um, that's not to critique Havertz, but from what I've seen, he's not a finisher. Like he is capable of finishing, but he is not a natural finisher. Um, is just, it just Jacob? Are you, are you there? Are you there slandering the Bundesliga? Is the fact that Jaden Sancho has gone back there and he's having a good time already? Lucas Podolski, yeah. a mega man. No. There. Do you just think it's a levels thing? Timo Werner. I, I think I think if you if if Gabriel Jesus could be privy to this conversation, he'd say, "Give me six months with Leipzig or someone in Bundesliga and see how many goals I score." Completely agree with Matt. I, th- I think um, I think it's the one thing that needs to be answered this summer, and I still don't know what the answer is. I, I, I think you're right that Tony seems the likely option. I've been watching Victor Rossumhen in the Afcon. I <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to throw 110 million quid there. It, we we live in this his, crazy. His goal era. record is the same. His goal record is the same as Jesus this season, and he's in Italy. I'm and he, sorry. And he's only, 120 I think million. He's only had one season. Me. He's only had one season where he scored a lot of goals. And and again, send Jesus to Italy. I wonder how he'd do. I we live in a really weird time where there's just no strikers out there anymore, man. There's there's just no one. And I I've voiced my concerns about Tony in the past. How many penalties he scored in in the seasons where he does have a large goal tally. <laughs> I'm prepared, I, I, to be proved, I'm prepared to be proven wrong on Osserman, but I think it would be hilarious if he went to Chelsea. And I think I think people know he's not as good. And Didier Drogba is clearly pushing the moves to Chelsea and I think is yeah, an advisor yeah. or something. But I think he could really come unstuck in the Premier League. Yeah. I'd agree with that. All right, let's move on to a topic that none of us really want to talk about. But we're going to talk about it. The Manchester City monster machine has been revved up. Uh, it looks like they're moving into fifth gear at the exact point they move into fifth gear every season. We watched them destroy Brentford the other night. Matt, um, this is what Manchester City do. No one notices them coming and then bang, they, they're putting in win after win after win after win. Are they really the pace setters that we've got to be keeping up with? They're the favourites, right? I mean, what, 60%, 70%, I think the odds on them winning the Premier League are. Um, they've got a, they've got a pretty straightforward run. They've got a bit of Champions League. They've got, they've got Everton at home. They've got Copenhagen away. Then they've got Chelsea. Then they're at home at Brentford. They're Bournemouth, Luton. They don't have a hard game, so expect, to, expect them to win the next five before they play Man United on, on March the 3rd. And that's at home, so I think they'll win that. March the 10th, they're playing Liverpool away. That's a really crucial game. Um, hopefully, Liverpool can take some points off them because I think they're our biggest rivals. So, they're the team to beat. The one thing I'll say is I don't think they're as strong as last season. I really don't. I think I don't think that, that, that means much because they were by far the strongest team in the world last season. But I feel like they're not as strong. They're missing a couple of players who, when it really gets down to it, could be the difference makers. Um, but ultimately, we're going to need 
Liverpool to t- we're going to need Liverpool to take some points off them, and we're going to need to take some points off them if we're going to win the league. Those two things need to happen, um, and I don't like that because one of those games is out of our hands. But even if we, even if I, I'm, st- I still can't see a world where we beat them at the Etihad. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Not trying to be negative. You're, you're, you're not your usual chirpy self today. I just what, can't what, see, What's going can, on? What's going on? on there, my friend? You need can a, you see I feel it? Like you need a hug today. Can you see it, though? Can you yes. see us going and winning at the Etihad? Absolutely. It's when it matters. When it really yes. matters. When it's a title decider. Mate, absolutely. I feel I feel we can get I feel we can get them. Brentford got in behind them a few times the but, other day. But they're a different a team when they know that they're when it gets to a big game towards they have Bunch. got so lucky against us over the past few seasons. Not not at home. Not at home, that's true. All right, I, <laughs> Jacob, I'm, I, Jacob, what do you think? Can you see us going there and getting a famous win? I can see right. it. I'm not I'm not putting any money on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it in my wildest dreams. I'm not sure. Look, I if there's ever been an Arsenal team that can go there and do something, it's us. I was looking through the fixtures while you were speaking, Matt. I, I agree. Um, I, I look at the the game at Anfield. I look at them going there and I think, you know, Klopp's last chance of taking points off of Guardiola in front of his fans, I can see them winning that game. Yeah. The one that I don't like saying and the one where I could also see them dropping points, you know what I'm going to say? You're going to say Tottenham. Chelsea. Oh, yeah, Tottenham. Tottenham. They hate Tottenham. They hate playing Tottenham. And at that stadium, we, you know, we we've seen the celebrations when they finally scored a goal there. I they, they've got to go to Tottenham on the 20th of April. Uh who knows? Maybe that's another one where they drop points. Maybe we can get to a situation where we only need a draw at the Etihad. They're they're yeah. a machine. They're a machine. They're a, they're a points getting machine. And you, if if I was to say they only drop four points between now and the end of the season, you wouldn't be surprised, would you? No, I think that, like just looking at it, I think the crucial period is they got they got four games in a row, and and I think we saw them stutter with like um, you know they got one they, when they got one defeat they got three defeats earlier on in the season. I'm literally like trying to find some 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 positivity here, but they got March the tenth they got Liverpool away, a week later they got Brighton away, 
That's and tough. Then a, That's and, tough. Then, and then they've got us and then they've got Villa. Those four games. And I think that's, and then that takes us into the beginning of April. And I think that if that's the, we need them to stutter in that four game period. We need them to drop four points, well, six points. We, we, we need, we need Rodri to get arrested in that period is what we need. Because that's he, when they he, drop points. He hasn't we, lost they, the game in a, ca- in a calendar year. No, and they, they've shown that they can live without Haaland. They can live without De Bruyne. But when Rodri isn't in that squad, that's when they look a different team. And, I think as much as hoping for points to be dropped at Tottenham and against Liverpool, I think I think we're kind of hoping for that, that Rodri might miss some games. Well, let's just check out his yellow cards because it was interesting seeing that... Uh, Refs uh, are onto him now, aren't they? Refs so he has received eight yellow cards. So two more in the next eight <laughs> games or so. Look at look at us, aren't we pathetic? Which you would <laughs> have to say is Arsenal, It's the most Arsenal fan thing yeah. in the world, isn't it? Hopefully <laughs> he gets a yellow card. You'd Come on, boys! To, we're better than that. You'd have to say he's likely to get two yellow cards in the next in the next eight games. Fingers crossed. All right, let's um, let's move on to a, a newsworthy topic. I haven't given you any time to even think about this, but people are currently blowing up my feed because the Telegraph has just released that the FA is going to implement trials for a blue card. What is a blue card? You say a blue card as we're bringing up the screen right now, is for temporary time suspensions, simbins. So there are a number of ways that you can get a blue card. So it two blue cards means a red. So uh, temporary time suspensions for uh, unsporting behavior, dissent by word or action, pers- persistently infringing the laws of the game, those rotational fouls from Rodri, delays to the restart of play, fails to respect the required distance when play is restarted, re-enters the playing area without the ref's permission, deliberately leaves the playing area without the referee's permission. So blue cards, Simbins, uh, what do we make of this? It, I feel like the referees can't even get VAR right. How can they possibly be trusted with a blue card? Matt Candela, what do you make? What's your hot take here? My initial reaction is I don't like it. Um, but I want to sort of interrogate that and interrogate why. I think the argument is cynical fouls are not punished to the severity of their ability to influence the course of a football game. You know, we've seen it all before, team on the break. But the thing about a cynical foul is you get a yellow card and then you're on tender hooks for the rest of the game. So it's not like it's not going punished. It's just, just become a part of the game and you're prepared to take it. But in football games now, there's so many people get sent off for two pretty innocuous things. Like, did Cognate deserve to be sent off? Yes. I mean, yes. Yes. I mean, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's definitely two yellows. But did he deserve to miss the final ten minutes of the game? I mean, it, it's speculative, right? So, I'm not sure what the need for this is and I worry that you start getting it's like it's a bit like basketball where suddenly instead of instead of focusing your eyes on what's happening on the pitch you're then staring up at another digital screen with a clock counting down and you've got someone on the sidelines waiting to come on and I I don't know I feel like it feels like another thing that's happening off the pitch VAR happens off the pitch players being simbined happen off the pitch and suddenly takes our focus away from the ball and what's happening so um, need to need to think about it. What what about you guys, Jacob? Can mm-hmm. the Premier League and the FA are admitting the VAR is out of control? 
they make too many decisions, they interfere with the game and it takes too long. How can we possibly trust them with a with another subjective opinion card? Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of my issue. I've, I've not watched many refereeing performances this season and looked at a referee and thought, he needs something else to be worrying about. He needs something else to try and understand. Like uh, Half of these referees I wouldn't trust with a pair of scissors, let alone a, a blue card in their pocket. Also, why is it blue rather than orange? Surely that's the natural thing to do, is to have an orange card that's somewhere between red and yellow. I I don't know. It. I think so much of what I found frustrating about this season, I think this has been one of the most frustrating seasons I can remember in terms of refereeing performances. Games feel so overly refereed now. There's so much happening, so, so, so much input on a game from a referee that feels unnecessary. That yellow card for Ben White at the weekend because of time-wasting, that was crazy. And I, I'm kind of with you, Matt, that I, I, I do feel sorry for Liverpool in terms of that red card to Canate. Like, does he need to miss a game? Do he need to not play their next game because of that? Yes. It, it's, it's like there's so many things this season where I've gone like... Did that have to happen? Did that have to impact the game? Did did the game have to change because of that? I, I remember the first Liverpool Spurs game, some of the, the the mad VAR calls in that. There's just been so much going on this season. When you were talking about David Raya earlier, Pete, and you were saying we appreciate that you, you don't really talk about him, you don't notice him. That's how I want to feel with referees. I don't I want to feel like they're that. this... I don't want to feel like they're this bonus feature that Sky have introduced where every three minutes when you, you just settle into the game, bang, something might happen and the referees made some other crazy decision that just changes everything. And then you have to cut to Howard Webb at half time and have him explain it to you. What's going on? Look, the, the, the thing with the Premier League is like the reason it works, the reason there's so much money behind it, the reason everyone earns so much more money is because more people watch it than anything else. More people watch it than any other league because it's so entertaining because there's so much passion. The amount of cards that managers have received this season for celebrating it, it, there's been so much tempering of passion, so much tempering of what makes the game so good. And someone in the director's box at the Premier League, someone should be sat there thinking, you're actually ruining the spectacle and you're going to lose us viewers and you're going to lose us sponsors and people are going to start watching something else because this over-refereeing is destroying the form of entertainment that the game is built on and where the money comes from. The money comes to the Premier League because it's so entertaining and the over-refereeing is destroying it. No one has been sat here at any point this season saying we need a blue card in the same way that no one needed more VAR. No one needed to change the rules on time waste. None of this was necessary. No one was calling for any of it. What what the what, what the PGMOL needs to start doing is stepping back rather than stepping forward into the game even more. Well, I think that the the idea behind it is to increase excitement, and I think that's the wrong idea to be thinking about because I think what we need to be doing is increasing fairness when we're involving the referees. Because I think it would be it inevitably there would be something exciting about having to survive a period with ten men in a crucial game for a period of minutes and desperately watching a clock tick down until you can be back at full strength. For the neutral, there is something that adds an extra level of excitement. I just think, why why do that? Let, let's let's think realistically about what would happen in that 10 minutes. Like If we're one goal up and we've got, you know, Declan Rice goes in the sin bin, what are we going to do? We're going to slow down. We're going to keep the ball out. We're going to waste time. We're going to play defensive football. Yeah. Does, the, does the Premier League need more of that? After we watch Nottingham Forest, after we watch 90 minutes of us trying to break down a low block, do we do we need to see teams with more incentive to sit back and defend? I think you have. I, th I think we lack discreet referees. 
I I don't watch enough American sport to be a hundred percent on this, but I I try and watch NFL, and the officials there. There's about seventy two of them. They tend to get it right. They tend to not want to be the focus of attention, and it just feels like a lot of the decisions aren't debated after the game in the same way they are in the Premier League. I just wonder whether the type of person that wants to be a referee quite likes being the centre of attention. Like you're the one guy in the middle of the pitch, you've got all the power, mm. you've got the ability to shape how these games happen. And I also wonder if, I, I've, I know people get annoyed when I say this because referees earn a lot more money than you know your, your average Joe on the street, but the referees retire young and there's not a lot that you can do with that skill set in later, later life. And getting a, a spot on Sky Sports talking about refereeing, getting that column in the Daily Mail is important. And no one's giving you that if you don't have name recognition. And I think referees, some of them, seek out name recognition. I think Mike Dean loved the fact that he ruined league league title pushes. I think he loves the fact that when he goes around the shops, people notice who he is. Any attention is good attention to someone like that. And I think until we get to a situation where referees are rewarded for discreetness, rewarded for great decisions, I think we're going to live in this world where they're the, the central focus. But it does sound like the worm is turning a little bit, like I'm sure clubs are noticing it. Because the the I don't know whether you saw the table that came out the other week of like prize money in the Premier League. Only three teams make more than 100 million a year in La Liga. Every team in the Premier League makes 100 million. So the cost of these bad decisions, putting clubs down and out of business, is astronomically high. And at some point, someone's going to sue or there's going to be something that happens that isn't good for the Premier League. So I think it's in their interest to get it right. All right, guys, I know we've got some hard stops coming up. Um, Jacob, thank you for joining the podcast. Matt, it's always a pleasure to be on the podcast. It's about third or fourth of the week. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you give us a little five-star review. Uh, Jake will be back next week for another Thursday night special. Um, we will be on for a Before the Whistle, patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion. And we will be back on at the weekend for an On the Whistle exclusively on Patreon. So if you want to sign up for that, you get seven days free. That's patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion. Guys, it's been a good podcast. Thank you for uh, being with me on this amazing journey. Cheers, mate. Thank right. you, Pete. Lovely. All right, boys. I will see you later. I'm going to turn the loop off and say ciao for now. Ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.